Richards Bowie Versus Tillian Is this year when I'm glowy Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy Or a villain It's time for Bowie versus Dillian. Hello, and welcome to Bowie versus Dylan. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. And today we're talking about the year 1998. 1998. Take yourself back, Jake. You I'm there. Were in high school. I, I was, was also 17 years old. We were in the same high school. We sure were. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, neither of us really realized at the time, but Bowie was doing some stuff in 1998. He's yeah, coming off with a little bit of a quiet year, but Bowie's quiet years, especially in the 90s, just mean that he's doing a bunch of whole crazy, a bunch of like crazy crap in the background, wow. which makes for some fun things to talk about. He's, Jake, he's crapping in the background. That's weird. Oh, <laughs> oh So Bowie released Earthling very early in 1997. I actually do remember that coming out, by the way. Do you? I do. do. You? Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't. I don't. Classic yeah. rock nerd at the time. Very, very nerdy. Oh, okay. Very yeah. nerdy. Well, this wasn't classic rock, but yeah. Well, he's he, a classic yeah. rock musician, or at least that's how that's I true. knew him. He, he was. And I was reading Rolling Stone and Spin Magazine, like, on a loop, basically. <laughs> I had, had I given up on Rolling Stone yet by then? Probably not. That's mm. a couple years in the future. I did like Spin a lot, though. Well, yeah. Uh, anyway, Earthling came out, and he toured off of it heavily throughout the year. And then uh, he just uh, took it easy in 19... 19- 98. Or out. so it seems. Jake, <laughs> oh! Let's talk about, oh, something, right let's talk about something right now. Was I supposed to have a reaction to that? Oh! Oh! <laughs> oh. Wait, take so it from the Bowie, top. Try it again. Try it again. Try it again. Okay. And so he just took it easy in 1988. Yeah. Or so it seems. Oh! <laughs> that was a little too much, but we're going to go with it. All right. Uh, so Bowie was... You know, very involved in art, especially in the 90s. Like, he did make a lot of his own art. He had one show. I'm still waiting. This is one of those products that I want, is I want a book of his, like, an art book for Bowie, of his artwork. Because he's got some actually, like, legitimately good artwork out sure, there. Sure, sure. Most of the late 70s and the 90s. Um, Bowie was on the board of the magazine Modern Paper, Modern modern Painters, remotely, Ooh, including painters. 1988. And he notably had his own publishing company called... Uh, what was it called? 21. 21 Publishing? 21 Publishing. 21. They published art books. Really? This is the thing that happened that we don't, know that. Uh, we don't really get into. He could have he could have published some of Bob Dylan's painting from the from that period. And his gates. Some yeah, put gates. some gates in there. Oh, man. A free gate with every magazine purchase. Get a gate. <laughs> so, but his biggest success uh, with his publishing company, he published multiple books. And I actually just, not very long ago, Jake, mm-hmm. was doing a little uh, searching for about 21 Publishing and found their website, which has not been updated since 1998. And it's still just hang- <laughs> It's just sitting there like that? It's just sitting there like that. That's amazing. I know. Maybe it's like 99, but it's 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 not been updated in quite some time. <laughs> so I don't actually know when it closed awesome. or anything. I'm not. I, it, it's a little mysterious as to what happened with this. It was not, you know, it didn't do a lot. But it's, its most successful book was notable for this year. And it's a good story. Um, it was about an artist by the name of Nat Tate. Are you familiar with Nat Tate? I am not. Not off the top okay. of my head. He was a little-known artist, well-respected, 
but um, yeah, not known real well, abstract expressions, but not known really well because late in life, which he wasn't very old, I forgot, I think he was in his late 30s when he died. Mm. Uh, but later in his life, he worked hard to get all of his work back. And he'd like buy back paintings or talk to people he sold paintings to and say that he needed to make improvements to it or change things and get them back and destroyed them. Oh, what? And then <laughs> Why once he'd he done do that, that? He, uh, he committed suicide. Oh, that sounds and, I know, it's really kind of a crazy story. That is crazy. And, um, and so there's, with, you know, so there's tons, there's very, very little known about his work and there's very little of his work left. It's, it's theorized that about 95% of his work was destroyed by him himself. Um, but Bowie had a couple pieces by him. One that he thinks he got from like an art fair. He, he did like the blurb on the back. It's like this one that he bought off the street or something. Um, and so the book was written by William Boyd about Nat Tate, and Bowie published it and threw a gigantic launch party at Jeff Koons' studio. Jeff Koons is a very well-known that artist. One I, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, you should have heard of him. He is a very well-known artist. If you don't, and, you're uh, dumb. And, and all these people, you know, all these big, like, well-known art people came, and they schmoozed and hobnobbed and told anecdotes. You know, there were some people that knew him, and some people that were like, yeah, I met him this one time, and, you know. Um, yeah, I don't just gallery. I'm pretty sure I, I think I had one of them, but I got, you know, like everyone's talking, like almost everyone's got a story about this guy because sure. he was well known. And then it was announced that the whole thing was a hoax. <laughs> Wait, what? What? <laughs> the whole thing was a hoax. Nat Tate never existed. <laughs> okay. I'm glad I didn't say that I had heard of him at the time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Well, it, like, it, like, it kind of sounds like, oh, yeah. Like, I probably would have said that. Like, so. It sounds kind of familiar, but no, I can't place it. That probably would have been my response. Who who perpe- uh, who perpetrated the hoax? So William Boyd, the author, was the main guy behind it. But they were both. He was on the board of Modern Painters with Bowie. So Bowie is like a high person because he published the book and he threw this party at Jeff Koons Studio. It Whoa. was actually on April Fool's Day. Ah uh, yes, ah uh, yes. And uh, yeah, it's just this big old fat wonderful hoax. Wow, I really like it. Hey, so there it is. I read the Nat Tate book sometimes. It's not very long, um, and, and it's kind of dry, actually, but it, it's, it just feels very real. But there's very little art in it. There is a little bit, all of it done, apparently, by William Boyd himself. But uh, I just think it's wonderful. Go, Bowie. Way, yeah. to, way to prank those. Way you know, to – wait a – what the a intelligentsia What a prankster art. that guy is. In New York. Yeah. That's hilarious. All right. With that little anecdote out of the way, let's go through a couple of weird little things that happened in uh, in 1998, and then we'll get to the meat and potatoes of today's podcast, Jake. Oh. <laughs> so weird little side dishes to start. <laughs> we started with that wonderful Nat Tape appetizer. Uh-huh. Did and you, now uh, we're moving into... Did, did, did you plan on doing sort of like a food theme today, or did this just no, occur it, to this you? No, is coming, this is coming up organically, Jake. Wow. This is great. <laughs> So, Daniel, this is this is uh, you know farm fresh, uh-huh. homegrown, yeah, uh, free range, yeah. Uh, I'm, that's all I'm, I got. I'm organic. Sal- I'm salivating over the um, <laughs> taste over Bowie covering Gershwin. <laughs> yes, I am, sir. That, he did that in 1980. <laughs> he covered Gershwin <laughs> with uh, Angelo. Badalamenti. Oh yes. Who that is? Uh, you know no. who that is? I don't. No. Unless he's an okay. Italian well, you know, opera singer, that doesn't sound familiar to me. Well, he doesn't sing on this. Bowie okay. sings on it. No, so I probably don't. But he did a cover of "A Foggy Day in London Town." Oh, so I not heard that song either. But it was it was interesting. It was very it like I mean, it just it's very you know classy. It's not like he you know threw in some drum and bass like he was doing at the time. <laughs> no, he, there was no. He there was kept it classy. No, uh, 
early EDM backbeat on that thing? No, no, no. Be stayed away, stay so away from that. For what this. you're saying it's just a very odd little thing that happened, you know, in the middle of 1988, and so, something I was not aware of until I was organizing or until I was uh, researching for this episode, which. You know, at this point, especially at this yeah. point in the podcast, there's not a lot of stuff that's like brand new that I'm like, wait, what happened? Surprises, surprises are few and far between. What mm-hmm. I'm what I'm hearing you say is that you can't make fun of me anymore for Bob Dylan's obsession with uh, Frank Sinatra because. Well, Jake, let's think. Yeah, Bowie covered one Gershwin mm-hmm. song. Yep, he did that. Yep, just like Bob and Dylan. Dylan completely covered. Yeah, five discs worth. Um, yeah, Sinatra songs. It seems the same to me. I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Gershwin cover was on a comp of Gershwin uh-huh. covers. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the Sinatra covers were mm. on a comp, but only Bob Dylan did all them of um, five. <laughs> and there were and there were three of them. One the of equivalent of five albums. Hey, Jake. Yeah. You know, you all you got to say right now is "Rough and Ready Ways," which as oh, of man. recording of this comes oh, out in two days. Baby, so. I'm so excited. Uh, the early reviews from like the New York Times are in. Everyone loves it. It's just a Bob Dylan-a-thon. I'm so happy. I wanted to kind of apologize to you because uh, you don't get to have this feeling anymore. Um, I know. With, and I'm sorry, but I haven't had this feeling in eight years. Yeah. This is a new Bob Dylan I just, album. I just had this feeling it's four awesome. years ago, you know. Yeah. Like Bowie's last truly album, which was truly brilliant. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And it, it was tinged with sorrow, of course, but like... But this, Dylan is, you know, he is well due for another comeback. And this know? is the, this is the old man record that was promised. Like, he's it's really, first, really old. first comeback of the decade, you know? Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> he can't come back twice in a decade. <laughs> well, you know, maybe he will. Maybe the twenties will be the time because it's so early. Yeah, no, no, it didn't start. He's time to come back again. Maybe even two more times. I mean, he doesn't usually. He doesn't wait till the beginning of a decade usually to come back. I'm thinking 1990. He was a garbage fire. Uh, 2000. He was already back. And uh, 2010. He was just 1980 still was back. Christian period. 1980. Yep. Uh, not back on that. So, you know, hey, hey, you here's, know, here's to here's to do a decade full of Dylan comebacks, I guess. <laughs> God bless them all. One right after the other. <laughs> all right. Another thing Bowie did was he collaborated with Goldie. Yes. A Goldie. drum and bass musician yes. that no one really remembers anymore, but who was a big deal at the time. I remember Goldie. Okay. So uh, Bowie collaborated on the song Truth, which was like a hidden track on Goldie's album, which apparently I did not write down. Don't know why. Don't know why I didn't write that down. I'm not sure what I'm doing here. Uh, The name of the song is Truth. It's more of an ambient song than anything, honestly. But uh, Goldie was doing like crazy stuff because disc one of, now I got to find this thing. Why did I not write that down? What am I doing with my life, Jake? Chaz, nobody knows. You're not. Uh, what am I doing? You're not even working anymore. Uh, you're, just, you're just not doing the podcast, basically. Not doing the apparently. You're growing apparently. that. You're growing that summer beard. That's something. Well, I am working on the summer beard. This Saturn's Return. That's the name of the album. Thank you very much. Hey, I knew this, that. It's a two disker. Disc one, track one, was uh, True Mother, Mother, which was an hour long orchestral drum and beat. <laughs> drum and bass song. So you're saying the most 1998 thing you can think of. <laughs> I didn't listen to any of it. Uh, the wow. second song on disc one is Truth featuring David Bowie, oh, which includes a hidden track of The Dream Within. So Bowie's not on the hidden track. I was mistaken about that. Retraction action from 
a minute and a half ago. Okay. Retraction so, action right that. now. Bowie was kind of like hanging out with Goldie and having fun for a little while. They also were in a movie together called Everybody Loves Sunshine, which we talked about. It came out in 1990. Oh, yeah. I remember that. It was not supposed to be very good, and I didn't watch it. Wow. So there's that. Wow. Uh, next up, Bowie recorded a new song for what movie, Jake? The Rugrats movie. <laughs> I was going to say that, but I didn't want to. It's wanna... called Sky Life, and <laughs> apparently they couldn't use it, and it didn't come out on the album. <laughs> It's what? never been released or even leaked in any form. So do you think that they sent Bowie like a couple, you know, a couple choice unreleased episodes of Rugrats and they were like, hey, uh, why don't you get inspired by this? <laughs> Big deal. Like, and this isn't like SpongeBob where he did it because his daughter loved SpongeBob. His daughter was not born yet in 1998. Yeah. So he just like was like, yeah. I'm going to do a song for Rugrats. Well, Rugrats was a big deal. I'm going to go then. for it. Rugrats was kind of a big deal. I mean, Nickelodeon and all. Uh, Nickelodeon was a big that's deal. That's still pretty... But, I don't know why that would mean that David Bowie would basically, you know, come out of seclusion to record songs for it. Well, he wasn't really in seclusion at this point, to be fair. I know, but look at, listen to all the other stuff he did, you know? Gershwin. Uh, he covered Gershwin and collaborated <laughs> with Goldie. I, I this, this, I, why not, you know? <laughs> I guess so. Now it makes sense. <laughs> All right, his oh, final man. thing is he was in a movie that came out in 1998 called, uh, the official title is Neo West. Neo, Neo West? Neo, Neo. Neo. It's a, um, Neo West. It's a spaghetti western. Oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> Neo West. Maybe it's not called Neo West. I don't Why know. Am I, what is Why the matter with me? The translation is My West, or it came out in multiple <laughs> places West. as... Uh, Gunslinger's Revenge or Gunfighter's Revenge. Okay. And I was really sad. I was actually he's actually has got a pretty big hole in this one, and I really wanted to watch it. But and um, but like everything right now, you just didn't do that. Me West. No, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it oh, anywhere. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens. And so I have like through through so many of Bowie's, you know, deeper deeper cuts for film film wise. Um, I have found multiple ones where you can't even rent them. Like, right. I, I'm, you know, I'm a straight shooter. If I can rent a movie legally, I will do so. But if I can't, then I'm going to find it on YouTube or find it somewhere else. And right. I couldn't find it anywhere. No. Like, it's not available to rent through any platform that I could find. Uh, and it also is not existing in bootleg form anywhere that I could find. So I intended to watch this movie and I couldn't do it. Did you try the dark web? Did you go on the dark web? You know, no. Okay. No. Well, didn't you didn't yet. try hard enough nope. then, I guess. Nope. Uh, I did not hack anybody's computer or right. dig into 8chan, you know? <laughs> Nothing down there. <laughs> I asked you, Anna, you, if, you know, if he could help me out, he or she, but nope, no luck. Too busy talking about crazy conspiracy theories. You could have uh, you could have gone on Reddit and just seen if you like didn't fall into a conspiracy theory hole. <laughs> well, I don't know. Anyway, I did find some clips of Bowie on YouTube from the movie. Okay. And I could have I could have bought it on DVD, but it wouldn't have come in time to, you know, record well, this podcast. And you don't so, want a, you don't want a DVD hanging around. Well, I I yeah, whatever. No, um it's it like Bowie is the bad guy. Oh. And he was in what I saw he was really pretty creepy. It was good. Villainous. He's like singing this uh, gospel song with a guitar in the middle of the night outside some guy's house. Presumably some guy that he's about to kill sure. or something. At sure. least he wants to freak out. Yeah. They're inside, and finally someone comes out to like see what's going on and try to stop him. And he busts the guitar over the guy's face. Whoa! Whoa! I know, it's pretty hardcore. Nice, it's pretty awesome. 
<laughs> yeah. And he's got like a couple of creepy minions behind him all the time. Sure he does. Sure he does. Looks a little unhinged. He's acting kind of, you know, like doing whatever he wants to do because he's, you know, the charismatic bad guy. Uh, apparently he uh, has a photographer traveling around with him at all times, take pictures of him just being a badass all the time. He's like, did, so, you, did you get me smashing the guitar on that guy's face? No, he wasn't in the West, Jake. He's got, he's got a southern oh. accent. He's got a western, you know. Does he pull it off? A drawl. Yeah, he pulls it off. I mean, again, I, did, I couldn't watch much of it. I found about a five-minute clip. It yeah. was basically well, that scene that's, of him, that's of him that's good. singing and then, you know, busting a guitar over guy's face. That was basically all I saw. Um, the movie did, like, apparently was, was reasonably good. I don't know. Uh, we'll talk more about that in points. Great. All right, Jake, is your uh, appetite been whetted well enough? Uh, yeah, are we? No, no, so what you're telling me is we're not to the meat and potatoes yet? Not yet. I'm not getting, yet, Jake. I'm getting oh. full, to be honest. I'm getting I'm getting kind of full. We got one thing left, and it's a big one. It's a big old daddy. Big All right, big I old guess. Big meat and potato. Hit me up. Jake, in 1998. Mm. Well, here, well, okay. In 1998, Bowie released... Bowie net. Something oh, we have hinted about around for years, but have not dug into deep. And here we are. Here we are. So the thing to know is that Bowie was heavily into the internet early on. Like mm-hmm. he, had in, he had email in the eighties, you know, he talked about it. He was really involved in us and really like, there's some really great videos of him from about 99 talking about what he thought the internet would be like in 10 or 15 or 20 years. And it's like, it's eerie how much stuff mm. he just predicted. He got a couple things off, but he was really talking about how like, the implosion of the music industry due to, you know, online digital sales. So he was predicting all that. Wow. He was way ahead on a lot of the stuff. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, he released his first digital single, digital only single in 1996. Wow. wow. Like no one knew it anything in a while, you know? No. iTunes is still like, when did iTunes come out? 2003 or something? Uh, like, you know, this yeah. give you, you know, a, a thought about all of this. <clears throat> Nap- Napster was barely a thing in 96. I don't think it was uh, a thing. So... He releases BowieNet, which isn't just like, it's not just like DavidBowie.com, you know, it's more than that. It was an ISP, Jake, an internet service provider. I don't know what that means. I just told you. Okay. But let's learn more. I have, uh, uh, I read through the initial, I found the initial press release for BowieNet, and I'm going to read you some selected parts and tell me if this isn't at least a little bit exciting to you. Okay, imagine, you, you're, imagine it's 1998 and you're a David Bowie fan. Can you read it in a robot voice, or what are you going to do here? Uh, I was just going to read it normal, but I oh. could do a robot voice if you prefer. Well, no, I, no, I think no, you're going to do it. I'm, th- gonna hype, I'm, I'm gonna do it, use a hype voice. Well, like a carnival barker, or not like that? Yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay, all right. World-renowned as a pioneer in music, performance, video, film, and art, David Bowie will once again make history with the Tuesday, September 1st launch of BowieNet, the first artist-created internet service provider. To commemorate this epic occasion, Bowie has planned a special countdown internet celebration. The festivities start at 9 p.m. August 31st with West webcast performances by Annie DeFranco, Ooh. the specials, the Jayhawks, <gasps> Jesus and Mary Chain, and Space Hog, plus a surprise performance by a special guest. In addition, the countdown will feature highlights from Bowie's 50th birthday show from Madison Square Garden featuring Bowie and band with Billy Corgan and Lou Reed. So I'm going to take a little break here, Jake, because okay. neither of us ever expected we would find a direct link between David Bowie and the Jayhawks, did we? Never no, really never. This is amazing. I was, I, was just, I was shocked when I saw it. I am on the floor. I'm not, even, I'm not even doing the podcast anymore. I'm on the floor. 
For those at home, Jake loves the Jayhawks, I and do. I don't. And it's something we talk about a lot. But also the Jayhawks but not, are... We've never talked about it on the show. But also the Jayhawks are not like necessarily nationally known. They're a very regional band to the upper okay. Midwest. Yeah, okay. I mean, they, they, they were always a big deal in the Twin Cities. Exactly, up. exactly. Yes. BowieNet will provide users access to David Bowie, his world, his friends, his fans, including live chats, live video feeds, chat rooms, and bulletin boards. Wow. The live in-studio video feeds will be available thanks to FullViewF, a 360-degree panoramic webcam designed by Bell Labs, the research and development of Lucent Technologies. Initial applications call for the camera to be used for in-studio question and answer sessions with Bowie, as well as live You Are There rehearsal sessions with Bowie and his band. <laughs> BowieNet will feature text, audio, and video messages from Bowie, uncensored access to the internet, exclusive music content provided by the Rolling Stone Network, as well as all the latest music news. That's Rolling Stone the magazine, not the band. Sure. There will also be featured <laughs> links recommended by Bowie and friends in a variety of categories. As a member of BowieNet, users will, also re- will all receive exclusive access to Bowie materials, unreleased audio tracks, and never-before-seen videos and photos. Thousands of album reviews, concert reviews, and music articles, along with a wide assortment of content updated daily. BowieNet promises numerous cybercasts, both live and archived, from Bowie as well as other artists. There will also be desktop themes, including Bowie screensavers, wallpaper, and icons. BowieNet will offer users a fully customizable homepage, David Bowie email address, your name at davidbowie.com. Oh, wow. Chat rooms, online shareware, multiplayer, gaming, and much more with local access from over 2,000 cities in North America. Oh, that is a lot of, that's a lot of offerings. Tell me that you like if, you know if you were a fan of Bowie in 1998, you wouldn't want that thing. I, I mean, yeah. for one thing, it's like it's giving you your internet. Right, it gives you your internet. <laughs> you know, like, that's part of this. Like, if you want internet access, you can get this instead of something else. And I mean, I, that is that is a crazy amount of stuff. I know. Did I seriously not ran the cost? It's like it was like twenty bucks a month. I mean, that was probably kind of a lot at that time. Sure, but you know, it's still like. It's giving you. Less, your... It's it's still less than half what I pay for internet now. You know, that's it's just, true. Like, I'm not getting all that other stuff either. You know, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> I can't be you know Charlie at DavidBowie.com. You're not chatting with David Bowie and or his band. And actually, chatting with David, like, <laughs> also, I mean, now some of this stuff was obviously a little, you know, hyped. A little, well, a little hyped, but I mean, I was going to say a little uh, too ambitious. Let's well, see. yeah, it sounds very audacious. Like, think back to 1998 and think about how good the uh, streaming videos were in 1998. No, not good at all. In fact, like, I'm trying it, to remember. It's hard to, not, it's hard to think about this, you know, to think now of Bowie just, like, streaming something live from the studio. Like, that sounds awesome. Well, but yeah, but back in then. In a 360-degree panoramic webcam. On uh, on dial-up, on a dial-up modem. Yeah, you're on dial-up. <laughs> DSL at the best, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the best sound in the world. The dialogue modem. Yeah. Well, I mean, the but- thing is about Bowie Net. It kept going until 2006, and Bowie was heavily involved with this thing for a long time. Um, an example one of the first giant things it did. Let's see here. Invented oh, the internet. Started. I thought I wrote more of this down. I don't know what I'm doing today, Jake. I know that. I had written down uh, some other stuff that he that you got all initially, but I don't know where I had it. Anyway, um, one of the big things he Durst did in late 1998 was a songwriting contest. Okay. For the song "What's Really Happening," that did ultimately end up on his next studio album, "Hours" from 1999. 
Um, so Bowie uploaded a demo, which I found, by the way. Nice. With uh, with chorus lyrics written, but no verses. No, no. He just sang laws, no words for the the verses. Okay. And uh, then that was the thing was people got to submit their own lyrics for this. And right. There were apparently over twenty, excuse me, twenty thousand entries. Holy buckets! That's a lot. The people online had a chance to vote things up and down, but Bowie was the one who ultimately actually decided what it was. He claims to have read almost all of them. I don't know how many he actually read. I'm sure there were a lot of there's a lot of just complete trash and junk in there. He was well, I saw no on some video of him talking about it, and there you know people like just put in the lyrics to other songs and stuff. Sometimes you know there's <laughs> like, all kinds of junk. Or like the f word over and over again or something. Right. Well, I, yeah, probably in there. For sure. Um, so the guy who ultimately won, his name was Alan Grant, uh, and he won a fifteen thousand dollar publishing contract from Bug Music. Whoa. The complete Bowie catalog on CD. Nice. A $500 gift card to CD Now, which is one of the most 1990. Oh my gosh, CD Now. Yes. Subscriptions to BowieNet and Rolling Stone Magazine. And an all expense paid trip to New York to hang out with Bowie in the studio while Bowie recorded the vocals for the song <laughs> this guy just wrote. So what you're saying is you want to be Alan Grant. Well, heck yeah. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? He's my hero. You need to go back to 1998 and win this contest. Please, any, any takers? Anybody can work this out? Uh, can, can we get a – uh, we here at Boy vs. Dylan are looking for a time machine. Anyone? Anyone? Can <laughs> we... I'm willing to give my left kidney, not my right, Yeah, but my left kidney. Well, what about the right but not the left? Yeah, okay, right. The right one's the one that's got the kidney stones, so I don't know if anyone wants that one. Oh, they want it. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're a major award winner from 1998. They're gonna. Want I that. will be when somebody takes this kidney off my hands. <laughs> They're gonna want that kidney. Uh, the recording session was streamed live. Okay. To end this all up, and yeah, the song ended up on. It was all like like think about how like rad that whole thing is right there, Jake. I mean, he must have just been like. With a big, huge, stupid smile on his face the whole time. That's well, a lot yeah, of, that's probably. a lot of good stuff. He never really, the guy never really went on to do anything. Like I, I don't know what happened to him or where he's I at. Mean, or what's going on now? <laughs> he but you know, he got this. He got this publishing contract. But as far as I could tell, uh, he didn't ever do anything with it. He didn't ever write anything else. I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, weird. But I mean, maybe like if this, he had, it, it gets very. Oh, go ahead. Maybe if he had David Bowie writing all of his music for him, and all he had to do was just do the lyrics. <laughs> Just come up with some verses. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, hey, it gets a lot easier that way, I guess. Uh, I just think this is really an interesting, an interesting reflection of the the times for the internet. Like this was incredibly revolutionary. This idea of not just having some static page where people would come and see stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but actually like Bowie being involving himself with this stuff and interacting directly with fans. Like all of this was unprecedented at the time. Okay. Um, but it's interesting because we've kind of gone past this now. You know, you don't see as much stuff like this anymore. And more of the fans have taken over their own fandom and they've, you know, it's more like Facebook pages and, you know, you don't see as many of the old, like, fan pages where it's... No, no, you don't. ...running it. You know, like, that kind of stuff is, is not... is not around nearly as much anymore. It's much more a big conglomeration of people on message boards or on social media joining these clubs and wherever... Right. Right. That's much more of what the experience at this point. And sometimes you get the, the person actually like jump again, you know, and commenting on a thread or telling them something, you know, like that kind of stuff still happens. But it's it's a different experience now. It is. Or but, they have some sort of exclusive uh, relationship with like one of the giant providers like Facebook yeah. or something like that, where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's an exclusive concert or home performance yeah. or something like that. But they don't do it right. necessarily on their own Web page. 
Right, exactly. Yeah. And it's more run by the fans than it is run by the artist, him or herself. But like live video, 360, this and that, like that's all that's all happening, you know, now. It's all happening now. I mean, right. yeah, absolutely. And in a way that, you know, everyone can enjoy at this point, mm-hmm. unlike 1998 when basically nobody could. Like, for instance, you, you and I are staring at each other right now, <laughs> though we're 2,000 miles apart. And that's I can true. see your face and your mouth moving. Like, that. even that is an innovation. It's that's impressive. T- completely normal right now. It's impressive. Yes, it is. So thank uh, you, David Bowie, for inventing that, the internet. BowieNet had a variety of other exclusives. Ooh. Uh, it kicked off with a track called Fun, an exclusive track that only f- got its offic- first official release earlier this same year. Um, some live videos, Under Pressure and Space, space Oddity, and uh, most notably the LiveAndWell.com live album. Okay. Um, which just got its first streaming release a few weeks ago. This is all like coming up again right now. Oh, it is. Right now, yeah. Oh. Um, and so liveandwell.com, it's a live album, and the, the tracks were delivered online to people, and the Bowie Denton members helped to create the album cover. Wow. But you weren't, I know. You weren't I one know. of them, though. Uh, so, again, like this whole thing, it's, it is a big deal that Bowie did this, and he did it when he, when he did. He was really, like, really on top of things, really early on this. He wasn't, you know, the first person to do anything, but... Um, like he wasn't the first person to release a digital single, but he was the first major act, like big act, to do it. Sure. But Jake what? Bowie has a Guinness World Record official. Oh. Okay. What? BowieNet as it being the first artist-created internet service provider. Oh wow! <laughs> Does Dylan have one of those, Jake? Dylan still oh. doesn't know what the internet is. I didn't think so. <laughs> no, he does not. Although I did, I was doing some research, and Bob Dylan, I don't remember what year it is, but Bob BobDylan.net uh, did receive a Webby Award in some year for being the best musician website on the internet or something. Uh, he does well, have a Webby Dylan, Award. Bo- Bowie won so many Webbies, including a Webby Lifetime Achievement Award at one point. I know he did. I Who know, cares? I, <laughs> <laughs> I care. Who cares? Okay, let's talk about some other Guinness World Records that Bowie has. Okay, Great. He apparently has had at one point, doesn't anymore, <laughs> the most UK number one albums by a British male singer. This is like a Grammy Award. <laughs> <laughs> very, very specific. He had the most UK number one albums by a British male singer, <laughs> but it was later that record was later broken by I'm ashamed to say Robbie Williams. Oh, I thought like Ed isn't Ed Sheeran English? That guy's like Well, I mean one. he might have broken Robbie Williams' record. Oh. Robbie Williams broke Dave oh. Bowie's record. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He may or may not have broken Robbie Williams' record. What about Jamiroquai? Plus does Ed Sheeran have nine albums yet? <laughs> I don't know, but they sell like a billion copies, so whatever. Well, sure. it is. But if he doesn't have nine albums, then uh, <laughs> he does not have well he'd have to have ten. I think he's Bowie like, had nine. Robbie Williams had at least 10. He's got at least 11. I don't think he has 11 albums. Those are all number ones? and I mean, that's kind of impressive, i got to say. Mm-hmm. Robbie Williams. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bowie has the Guinness World Record for most video views in 24 hours on Vivo. <laughs> what? <laughs> for what? Again, that may have been broken by now. I don't know. But, oh, it had to have been broken place by now. <laughs> What what was it for? Was it for a black star uh, it was thing? For, it was for something off the next day. Yeah. The next Probably day. Probably where are we now since that was... I don't think so. I think the stars are out tonight. I don't know, right, John. That has to be... Who absolute, cares about this record? It's a I bet, record. I bet Taylor Swift took that record and just stomped all over it. 
She on just, Vivo. Yeah, on Vivo. <laughs> <laughs> she might be too cool for Vivo. No, nobody's too cool for Vivo. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Vivo's so cool. <laughs> Bob Dylan's and Jake, all over here's, here's one to bring us back together, because this is one that Bowie and Dylan can share. Namaste. Largest simultaneous rock concert TV audience at <laughs> 1.9 billion people for, that's right, Live Aid. Yay! Yes! The worst concert Bob Dylan ever put on. Yay! <laughs> All right. I got a multiple choice question for you, Jake, and then we're on to the year here. Wow. You have just, right? you have, for, for a nothing, you purportedly yeah, nothing here, you have just, you sucked up all the oxygen here. <laughs> it was an exciting time. <laughs> Technologically right. advanced. So Bowie frequently interacted with fans online, in message boards, in chats, in all kinds of stuff. Oh, he was just there. What was Bowie's name online? Mm. Was mm. it artist? Artist? Traveler? Mm. Sailor? Or spy? Artist? Traveler? Wanker? Sailor? Sailor, or... Jake. Um, (laughs) uh, I want to I want to go Traveler Traveler that sounds like a good one I was probably that one I made it up because it's not the right one oh shut up what is it artist Sailor Sailor Sailor, come on what is I that? Know, kind of, I don't know. I don't know about Remember that. Remember when everyone had to have like a hand, like kind of a handle or something? They're like, oh, yeah. I'm not David Bowie. I'm Sailor. <laughs> <laughs> In high school, I went by Sandman. I thought that sounded cool. Uh, I was. I, was uh, the, on, the one and only time I tried to use uh, um, AOL Messenger, I think it was called, back <laughs> uh-huh. in college. Because uh, somebody somebody was like, you should, you should hop on this. Um, and I think I did. What did I do? In Your Bones or something. It was from a Weezer song. <laughs> I lasted okay. like 10 days. I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I was an MSN messenger guy late, late yeah, high school. It might have been. No, was, I think it, that was pretty cool. It might have been an MSN. I don't know. Yeah. I can't I remember. Know. Anyway. You're I'm, in hair. Yeah, you're in hair. It was short and spiked. Uh-huh. Like Charlie in 1999. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that was sweet, bro. I did. It looked a lot like my hair in 1999. It was, was here in 1998, me in 1999. It yep. was in style. I thought I was young and cool, but a 50-year-old man beat me to it. Well, as David William normally does. He also had a goatee and mustache for much mm-hmm. of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, Jake, in the 70s, he looked like a junkie. In 1998, he looked like the dealer. <laughs> hey, that's good. Did you make that up? He's kind of, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty like, good. Hey, hey. Let he that looks, breathe. He just looks kind of slimy and kind of sleazy. Uh, you know, he's got a soul patch and stuff. Like, yeah. 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 He looked like sugar, uh, he looked like a he looked like an old strung out Sugar Ray. That's what you're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think they even have the highlights in his hair, but, you know. Like a uh, about him that reminded me a little bit of uh, Tom Waits. Oh, Tom Waits. I don't know. Maybe Spiky. it's just the soul patch. Yeah, Tom Waits has a great soul patch. That's true. He does. He has one of the only good soul patches in existence. It's true, but there he, aren't many. He looks like one. he's looked like a wino of varying degrees of age since he was like yeah. twenty years old. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen a picture of him recently? Oh uh, man, he's craggy. He, looks old. he actually he looks gives old. he gives Bob Dylan a run for both. 
uh, like his voice and how craggy. Well, it that's because he's been he's been voice. that craggy. You know, he he's been started getting really really craggy and you know like the late seventies, like eighty one. Yeah, yeah. Certainly by swordfish trombones. He was oh well, for full sure. blown there. No, he was he was crooning before that. That's probably the first. Oh, one. he was started as a crooner. He oh, did. he was a, he's yeah. a wonderful crooner. A lounge. Act. All right, um, I'm gonna give it a three. There we go. All right, okay. Jake. All right. Tell us about 98 for our old All right. pal, Bob Dylan. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, so, Bob Dylan uh, in 1998, uh, we're just going to go ahead and say it. He was back, baby. Bob <laughs> Dylan was just swagging just like around. <laughs> it was like, time out of mind. Never heard of it. Woo! <laughs> He's just rocking around. Well, uh, so he did. He did a never-ending tour in it, in which he did a hundred and ten shows in nineteen ninety-eight. That's quite a few, even for him. I think that's. I think that's one of his most. Um, he did fifty-six in North America. He did six in South America, thirty-three in Europe, and fifteen in Oceania. He uh, he spread the love around Chaz. He played with all of these people. Uh, sometime on the tour, either kind of co-headlining or supporting or whatever. Uh, Joni Mitchell, Van Morrison, Patti Smith, and I don't know if you've heard of them, but the Rolling Stones. Nope, never heard of them. Nope. He nope. Uh, he appeared on an Apple Think Different poster. This was uh, <laughs> this was the the Steve Jobs came back to Apple in 1996 yeah. after yeah. a few years off, in which uh, in which Apple became like a, a junk company, basically. Right. On the he came of, back and brought him back. He came back and he was like, guys, we have to think different. But hey, I got an idea. Let's put that on a poster. Um, it was the first it was the first cool Apple uh, advertising campaign that was that came out after after Steve Jobs came back. But and uh, they caught Bob right at that time, one of those times in the nineties when he was actually cool. Exactly. He was work, cool again. Work, <laughs> he was cool again. Uh, yeah. Didn't pick him up in ninety you know, ninety one or something. No. No. No, no. No. They're like, hey, didn't you just release Under the Red Sky? Hard pass. <laughs> um, They're like crossing to the other side of the street when he walks by. <laughs> well, no, Steve Jobs would have been like, I, I, I kind of liked Under the Red Sky. I think you're, <laughs> I think you're brilliant. Say, should I date Joan Baez again? That was weird. <laughs> Did Steve Jobs date Joan Baez? Yeah, in 1980, oh. I can't remember, 82 maybe? Weird. Um, and she, she said that later that he, she thought that he had just done it because she had been romantically involved with Bob Dylan, which oh. is really strange. <laughs> that that is strange. I of course told you about this. On, I, I of course told you about this on a podcast, which we share, but that you don't remember anything that I say. Nope. Hey, so um, <laughs> controversy corner. Uh, they made. They made some TV spots, and they made a poster with Bob Dylan to announce that Apple was back, baby, just like Bob Dylan. <laughs> just like Bob but, Dylan. But uh, the actual, they should have gone with that one instead. <laughs> just like Bob Dylan. Apple's <laughs> back, just baby. Just like Bob Dylan. <laughs> just like Bob Dylan. Here's his picture on a poster. <laughs> um, think different worked a little bit better, I think, for them. Um, but Dylan and Apple couldn't agree on a on a on a price, you know, for for them to pay him for his image on the poster. But they had already printed some, so there are now Bob Dylan think different posters that are like, you know, you can buy them for like a thousand dollars or something on eBay. There's you should some, do it. No, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, he did a, a couple other funny things. He. 
he released a uh, a single. No, this is a non-single, but it was on a compilation um, for the most 1998 thing possible besides Bowie.net. Um, this was from the album Touched by an Angel, the album. Oh, he was on Touched by the Angel, the album. Oh, my God. I'm so jealous. It was an alternate version of the song Dignity, which he had recorded uh, for the Oh Mercy sessions. And which ended up coming out on, uh, he did a version of it on MTV Unplugged. Great, think we, great we've song. used the phrase most 1998 <laughs> thing ever to describe two different things. So uh, one of them was an hour-long orchestral drum and bass song. The yeah. other one was Touched by the, touched by mean, the Angel, the album. The actual... Like, those are just the opposite sides of pop culture right I know, but, but you know, the actual, even though I did it, I, I, I said they were both the most 1998 thing. But come on, Touched by the, by the Angel, the album, <laughs> is the most 1998 thing. <laughs> Do you remember that? I don't think I ever watched a minute of it, but it was like a big deal, Touched by an Angel. It was a big deal. I don't think I ever watched it either. Uh, I feel vaguely like I, you know, saw it at a friend's house or something, part of an episode. I don't know. I definitely didn't watch a whole episode, but yeah. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe one of your girlfriends or something was like... Yeah. <laughs> maybe. I mean, it was on. There were four channels, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Touched by an angel is on all of them. Sorry. <laughs> it was a gigantic hit. It, it really was. was. And I think the premise was like... Some person got in trouble, or and then an angel came and helped them out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was uh, it was all because they were, you know, I don't. Did the angel come before they learned their lesson, or was it after they learned their lesson? I would assume the angel helped them learn their lesson, don't you think? Well, probably. I would assume that was the whole point of the episode was the angel. They were touched by an angel, helping helping them, you know, to to learn a lesson by being touched by like an angel. a guy is like thinking not literally. About, a guy is like thinking about cheating on his wife, and then like he's in a car. And he slips on a patch of ice, and then he's touched by an angel. And then that, he like, that would be my guess. That's okay, like but then the, he, like, that's gotta be the plot line. Of he whatever. crashes, but he's miraculously not hurt. And then he's like, "I gotta love my wife again," or something. <laughs> it's like, "Thanks, angel." Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man! All right, it ran, it ran for nine seasons and two hundred and eleven episodes. Oh yeah. Hey, that one's not on. Uh, that one's not on Netflix. <laughs> That I can recall. Oh, it might be. Man. All right, anyway, that's the that's not the Keep only going. thing that Bob Dylan did in 1998, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, he also appeared on, stop me if you've heard about this kind of thing, He's, he also appeared on the 40th Annual Grammy Awards. <laughs> yes. We haven't talked anything about the Grammys since the last episode. Absolutely. It's been far too long. He's getting hungry, Jake. <laughs> real, real hungry. I'm not going to go into your weird food metaphor for <laughs> that you abandoned. <laughs> you abandoned it. The Grammys are a sweet, sweet dessert, Jake. The dessert Absolutely. on any occasion, at I any time. Like, I, I feel like they're all the meals all the time. <laughs> all the meals all at <clears> once. <throat> all right, so Bob Dylan was kind of like, um, so he was back critically, uh, but he was also back kind of in the in the public consciousness. And guess guess what the Grammy Awards loves nothing more than? It's an they old, love it's, a comeback. It's an old white guy who just came back. An aging white <laughs> classic rocker Absolutely. who made something that was pretty good. So this a rare is rare occasion to make something that's actually really good. Man, they don't know what to do with themselves. So um, we said "Touched by an Angel." The album was the most '98 thing, but check out this <laughs> list of of nominees. Keep out '98ing yourself. Uh, yeah, this is it's getting it's getting real right now. 
Um, so Bob Dylan, I'll just tell you, he won the 40th Annual Grammy Awards Album of the Year. Oh, baby. The biggest prize oh, for Time Out of Mind. I'm going to give you the other... Uh, I'm going to give you five other nominees, and only one was not nominated. Your task is to figure out which one was not nominated okay. along with Bob. I guess which one was not actually a nominee. Exactly. All right. Here it is. The album This Fire by Paula Cole. Flaming Pie by Paul McCartney. <laughs> Which is getting a deluxe edition. I just it is. Somewhere. It's all over everything. And again, that's another Paul McCartney album I've never heard of. No. <laughs> uh, Bringing Down the Horse by The Wallflowers. <laughs> oh, man. Bob the, his own son? Well, maybe. Maybe not. This One of these you is not on there. Me. Oh, okay. All right. The Day by Babyface. Very 1998. Or OK Computer by Radiohead. Nominated for Album of the Year. Didn't win. Bob Dylan beat him somehow. All right, which one of those oh, is not was not nominated for album of the year? Oh jeez. I'm tempted to say Radiohead because it's so classic and it would be so Grammys to not do anything that was relevant. You're I'm wrong. Gonna, I'm going I'm going to go with Radiohead. No, they actually You're wrong. They actually nominated them. Now Good what was what was funny is, you know, they show the face of the artist as they're nominating it. they clap uh-huh. and everything like that. So all the all the people were on there, you know, waving and stuff like that. And they actually didn't show up. <laughs> they didn't show Bob Dylan, and I don't know if it was like maybe one of the guys just made this horrible face, just like, huh? Like, ah. <laughs> like what they are they doing here? They sent Phil Selway in there. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the rest of them stayed home. <laughs> so it was like, guys, I could use a Grammy. <laughs> Uh, no, the actual Bill and Colin, and, you know, left, left the tail. Well, yeah, I mean, they probably didn't. <laughs> nice need... that. They're all they're all great, but no, they're all wonderful. It's a great band. It's a great band. Uh, the uh, the 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 person that was left off, or the band that was left off, was actually the Wallflowers. Oh, it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. probably good. Can you imagine poor you know, poor sweet cherubic Jacob Dylan yeah. just. Just losing the Grammy to his own father. Yeah, but guess which? You know? Guess what else? Realizing happened? for the first time that maybe his dad was slightly better at his music than he was. <laughs> he sold four million albums of Bringing Down the Horse. <laughs> uh, but guess what, Chaz? You're gonna love this. Uh, the Wallflowers won a Grammy in 1998. Oh, good. And it was for best rock song for you guessed it, not two, but one headlight. <laughs> Did. Did Jacob and Bob bring each other as their own plus ones? That seems unlikely. I don't know. <laughs> but they both won a Grammy on the they both won a Grammy on the same night. So sweet. They both won a Grammy on the same night, Jazz. Come on. Hope they sat next to each other. Uh, Bob Dylan told a a, a semi lucid but possibly um, untrue story about seeing Buddy Holly when he was sixteen during his speech. <laughs> Um, but otherwise, you know, he thanked a bunch of people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Bob Dylan also won for best rock performance, comma, male. <laughs> because he's a man. Uh, for, uh-huh. Just like the Olympics, you know, it wouldn't be fair to include women in this category. They yeah, exactly. Is it like men can or something? Uh, for the song <laughs> Cold Irons Bound, which was not a single off the album. I don't really know what happened there. Um, he also won best contemporary folk album for Time Out of Mind. And I think hey, great. I think it's not a folk album at all. 
Uh-huh. But also, wouldn't it be awkward if he won Album of the Year, but he couldn't be couldn't win Best Contemporary Folk Album? <laughs> that would have been. I love when that happens. <laughs> That's great. Um, the other funny part was that the people that were presenting the award were just, again, mostly 1998. Not the most 1998. Uh, Cheryl Crow was there presenting. Sure, that would make sense. Yep. <clears throat> John Fogarty from yeah, Creed okay. Clearwater Revival. I have no idea why he was there. But also a very young, uh, very naive-looking Usher. His name is Usher. Usher? He Bob Dylan. <laughs> well, he, he actually did say his name during the, the nominations category, and he called him Bill Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor young man could be Usher. <laughs> I would have gone with Billin if he was just going to screw up, like just go with Billin. <laughs> Um, but yeah, afterwards, yeah, like he, he corrected himself. Um, he looks like he's about 17 years old. And somebody in the crowd goes, we love you anyway, Usher! <laughs> he does one of these things where he, like, he, puts, uh, he puts two fingers up to his mouth, you know, does a little kiss out, like a, you know, like that. Like, oh, sure, sure. Yeah, he was like, gave a wink to the audience, like, thanks for supporting me. <laughs> and then someone threw their undergarments on stage. Oh, it was ridiculous. And then, Chaz... Uh, we have, uh, we have the biggest thing, unfortunately, that happened to Bob Dylan in 1998. If you Google Dylan 98, you're going to, the first, I don't know, on Google, the first roughly 300 trillion um, things <laughs> uh-huh. that come up. Um, can I interest you in a two-word poem called Soy Bomb? Do you know about <laughs> oh, Soy Bomb? Soy Bomb happened at the 40th Annual Grammy Awards. During okay. Bob Dylan's performance of hey. Love Sick, he performed, uh, a, a strange man came out of the audience in back, ripped off his shirt to reveal mm-hmm. the words soy bomb painted on his chest, and he did this weird spastic, kind of robotic, weird dance for like, a good 40 seconds before <laughs> he got dragged off of stage. This happened on uh-huh. live. This happened on live TV. Awesome. Um, so this, uh, it turned out that this guy, they, they threw him out. Um, they actually ended up throwing him out of the, out of the place without his shirt. They just like put him out in the cold. Uh, uh-huh. It turned out that it was a, it was a uh, multimedia artist, choreographer, musician, actor, and curator named Michael Portnoy. He okay. gained, Michael Portnoy uh, gained some measure of fame from this whole well, thing. Well, yeah. Um, he calls himself, I really like this, I want to start calling myself this as, as I meet people. He calls himself a, quote, director of behavior. Director of behavior? He's the director of behavior. Anyway, I don't want to get too, <laughs> I don't want to get too much into it, uh, except to say that uh, when questioned by reporters, um, Portnoy explained that the soy bomb was a two-word poem. He says, soy represents dense nutritional life. Bomb is obviously an explosive destructive force. So, soy bomb is what I think art should be. Dense, transformational, explosive life. And he said he meant soy bomb as a spontaneous explosion of the self to reinvigorate the current music scene. He also did it said... Did it work? <laughs> well, you'll just have did to re- ask... Did he, re- did he reinvigorate the entire music industry? I mean, ask one, the year 1999. With one tour at Bum? Ask, ask, the, ask the year 1999. I think it got a lot better after that, don't you? That's <laughs> true. 99 was better. Uh, so, so how it happened was uh, Bob Dylan's management company uh, hired a bunch of like cool-looking 
hip young 20-somethings uh, mm-hmm. to stand behind Bob during this thing. And uh, they paid him 200 bucks a pop. They just stood there and, like, you know, pretended, like, groove to lovesick, which is, like, a, I mean, it's really slow. And it's, like, about, it's about, like, death and dying and, uh-huh. you know, lost uh-huh. love and everything. And everyone's like, yeah, Bob. And they, they, were, uh, they were trying to get a good vibe going. Sure, Mr. Portnoy, sure. Mr. Portnoy saw this as an opportunity to, you know, espouse his views on whatever it is that he's talking about. And um, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately for our good friend, uh, he did not get paid the two hundred dollars because oh, man. because he because he basically photobombed the Grammys and got <laughs> thrown out live <laughs> photobombing of the Grammys without his shirt on. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he's kind of an interesting character. He de- he's he's a former uh, excuse me he's a former comedian. He has all these crazy out there ideas about everything. Um, one more thing we about him on the show. Yeah. Hey, Michael, we know you're listening. <laughs> uh, I got two words for you, Michael. Soy mom. <laughs> Ever heard of it? <laughs> Ever heard of that? <laughs> uh, I would have gone with bomb soy, but that's just me. I don't know. Bomb soy. It doesn't bomb have soy. the same ring to a jig. I don't know. I guess it doesn't. guess you're not a poet. Um, mm-hmm. I have one more thing to say about uh, Bringing Down the Horse, the seminal 1996 album by the Wallflowers. Um, we we have yet another we have another uh, 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 connection between David Bowie and Bob Dylan because what? of this. Watch this now. Okay, so I'm watching just to set the stage here, in case you didn't all didn't know, podcast audience and Charlie, maybe you didn't actually realize this. Jacob Dylan is Bob Dylan's son. <laughs> Whoa! Did wait, you know that? Well, did you? Just yes or no? I don't know. Not or something. You must. And also the lead singer. Um, the Wallflowers. Uh, the Wallflowers. Uh, uh, they released their album, Bringing Down the Horse, as I've mentioned. They later released a special edition with two bonus tracks. Mm, One yeah. was a Jacob Dylan penned song called Used to Be Lucky. The right, which second, Bowie song do they cover? The second is a cover. <laughs> One guess as to the David Bowie song they cover. I don't know. Come on. What's the only Bowie song that anybody covers? Heroes? Yeah! Okay. okay. All right. We All can right. be heroes. That's what I'm assuming it sounds like. I, I have no idea. I did not come across that cover when we did our covers episode. How did Special I edition that? bonus track. <laughs> that's why. bringing down Oh, that's the why. I see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One other thing happened for Bob Dylan in 1998. It was the release of the Bootleg Series, Volume 4. That's right. It's one through called, three were all together. That's right. One through three were all together. Released in 1991, it was a chronological journey through outtakes and live performances uh, for the years 1959 through 1991. Um, this is Bob Dylan Live, 1990, 1966. The quote, extreme air quotes, Royal Albert Hall. Oh, right. Uh-huh. This wasn't actually that show. It was not actually that show. It had started been, uh, the story is it started getting bootlegged in 1970 or 1971 as the Royal Albert Hall concert. CBS, or Columbia Broadcasting Studios, um, recorded, officially recorded three of the concerts on the famed 1966 World Tour featuring Bob Dylan and the band. Right. right. They were not the band yet, but you know what I mean. I do. Uh, one was at the Royal, or actually two were at the Royal Albert Hall concert. 
Uh, one was at the Manchester Free Trade Hall, and one was oh gosh, didn't write it down, but it doesn't matter. Somewhere else. Doesn't matter. This is the show where someone yells Judas very clearly oh, on the recording. Go ahead, do it. Judas! I don't believe you. You're a liar. <laughs> Bob Dylan says that, that thing that I just said. Then he says, play it effing loud. And the band launches into Like a Rolling Stone. Everyone loses their mind. It's incredible. Um, <clears throat> anyway, people had bootlegged this as the Royal Albert Hall concert. They found the actual tapes, and they realized that it was from the Manchester Free Trade Hall. They released it in 1998 as a two-CD set, the entire concert. The first CD is a solo acoustic set by Bob Dylan himself, all, nice. by, all by his lonesome. Real nice. He goes back into the dressing room. Uh, does some quaaludes and some methamphetamines, probably. Sure, takes, don't takes we all? Speed. He's like, you guys want to join me? The band is like, I guess so, because we do this every single night. They come out, they play, and it's a totally super electric cool set where everyone's mad at him for rocking out. <laughs> Man, can't get mad at somebody for rocking. Well, <laughs> I know. Yeah, you know, like, you know what they say, Jake. You got, you got to fight for your right to party. You know, <laughs> the Beastie you know Boys. The, the Beastie Boys you know do say that. You know what I'm saying? That's not something that you thought up, but that's what they say. <laughs> I, I don't think I claim that. It's an old, it's an old saying. An old saying goes back. Uh, it's <laughs> an age-old uh, coin. Uh, age-old coin. How about how you have to fight for your right? Uh, anyway, party. this is basically. Uh, I'll talk about it a little bit more in points. Maybe I'll just kind of leave it at that. It uh, it it debuted at number thirty-one in the U.S., number nineteen in the U.K. Back when selling records kind of mattered, nineteen ninety-eight. Maybe yeah. one of the last years where it really mattered. Uh, yeah, what was that internet that Bowie kept talking about? Yeah, that worldwide web <laughs> that he invented. Uh huh. Um, okay, so that's he all. Invented the- Jake. He didn't make it. He just made it cool, Jake. Okay. That's that's all the things that Bob Dylan did. Um, but I have a, I have something for you here. I think it's I think it's really interesting that you introduced to the audience uh, the idea of some merch. Uh, we're making a yeah. T-shirt, and I just want everyone to know that that's for real. Go to Bowie versus Dylan right now. And you can see that you can purchase this T-shirt. I was coincidentally thinking of some merch madness myself, Chaz. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna run, run some uh, merch ideas past you, live on the podcast, and see what you think of them. Okay? Huh. Uh-huh. Okay. I didn't tell, I didn't tell you about this. No. But no. since uh, Bob Dylan didn't do anything but worried. just swagger around the world in 1998, I thought maybe I'd do this worried. first. A little bit worried. You should be. All right. First. <laughs> Tell me what you think about these merch ideas. These will probably be available um, at some point on BowieVersusDylan.com. Okay, first up, we have the Year in Hair Bear. These are 52 special edition plush teddy bears with David Bowie's <laughs> hair from each year that he was alive and as a musician. Okay, so... Oh, man, we can make a subscription service where we send one out a week? Yeah, sure. See, this is, this is what I'm telling you right now. Absolutely. For the for the low, low price of $799, you can get a new <laughs> urine hair bear. All right. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, conversely, we have the year in fro ho. These are 56 special edition hoes with Bob Dylan's hair on top. 
for each year that he has been alive. We're talking like a, like a garden hoe here, right? Well, before you get your undies in a bunch about the hoes, these are... They're dead in a bunch. They're there. Jake. These are, to be clear, garden hoes with the froze yes. on top of the garden yes, hose. Yes, clearly, yes. Uh, maybe, maybe on the handle, like a soft kind of a fro thing. Oh, um, maybe it could be like the handle, like where, yeah, where you hold on to it, you know? Yeah. Now, however... Soft and curly. However, little Stetson hats are me hard to handle, though, Jake. I, I understand. However, these uh, garden hose are scantily clad, so I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, all right. Thank you. <laughs> They're highly suggestive of promiscuity. <laughs> They're shaped like something. I won't say what. <laughs> so that's the year and fro uh, hoe. What do you think about these two? These two kind of twin items, as yeah. No, the second one's no go there, Jake. I like I like that one better, but okay, we'll talk about it. Yeah, later. well, I mean, because we could also make it like big old like shelf for the bears, you know. We could like a... to look at bears. People don't like to look at hoes. Well, I <laughs> yeah, but they like to use hoes. So <laughs> okay, we gotta move on from this. This is just not <laughs> all right. This conversation isn't going right. All right. Here. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so sharp-eared listeners will remember the song which we actually played earlier um, called Retraction Action. Let's play it again. No! No, don't play it again! I already did. <laughs> Alright, so this is okay. called the Retraction Action Paper Cutter. Okay? This is the 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 uh, the chopping block has a picture of Bowie versus Dylan artwork on it. Yeah. Uh, special edition. It plays special edition. It, it, I gotta put some make some new Bowie versus Dylan artwork for this. Yeah, thing. please do. Um, if we're gonna sell any of these, you better. Yeah. Um, it plays the retraction action theme song each and every time you make a cut. So as you cut down, that as you cut down, the song plays. Um, don't make me play it again. Now note, you can't turn it off, and it is compounded to play the full song for every cut. So let's say you you put a piece of paper down down there, and you need to make three cuts. Chop, chop, chop. The song's gonna play three times, and you can't stop it. In full. <laughs> okay. All right. What do you what do you think uh, about the retraction action uh, paper cutter? <clears throat> I think uh, T-shirts are really cool. All right. All right. Fine. Fine. Good note. Good note. All right. Um, next up is the BVD Bula Bass. <laughs> um, I, uh, here, we're just going to play the song for Bob's Bula Bass right now. All right. That was the song. We've made a very special edition canned Bula Bass found in your grocery aisle. Okay, it's the BVD Bula Base. It's wildly inauthentic and cheaply produced, and it's the only food we make or sell, and we think it's going to be a smash hit. What do you think about that one? Yeah, that one I like. You like the BVD Bula That one's base? good, yep, yeah. I'm thinking like, I don't know, buck ninety nine per can, something like that? Well, I mean, it depends, no. We, I, let's see what kind, of, what kind of ingredients we're including in this, you know. We gotta, we gotta make a profit, Jack, here. Okay, don't go over Well, they're very cheaply produced, I already said. And it's not actually Bula Base. It's probably just like corn or something. <laughs> well, I, I got some. I want. I got some quality control issues on this one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll talk to Q and A afterwards. You know, I did try to. I did try to call our merchandising and um, R and D is what you meant. I think maybe uh, Q and A, HR. QA. I don't know. Quality marketing. Q A. That's a thing. Don't. I know it's a thing, but do businesses have a question and answer department? No Q A. Quality assurance. Oh, quality assurance. Q&A is the, yeah. Like question and answer. Yeah, but that's not it. It's QA, quality okay. assurance. Now, okay. I, I will let you know that I tried to call our merchandising and marketing department, but it, your number kept coming up. So this is why, <laughs> uh, this yeah. is why we're yeah. doing this right and now. I, and you know I don't answer your calls. So. <laughs> exactly. I was like, hey, gosh, Chaz again. Oh. <laughs> 
All right. Um, last but not least is the Bowie versus Dylan Super Deluxe box set. Uh, you yeah, Bowie fans, you, you you Bowie fans should be accustomed to this. This is a limited edition vinyl set with a picture disc. Uh, oh, limited edition, special edition picture disc for every minute of every episode. <laughs> okay, of the Bowie versus Dylan podcast. Now, um, if we're going to go double sided here, which I guess we should, um, that's two thousand two hundred seventy five vinyl records. <laughs> it's packed in a lavish small room sized crate. It's uh, 409,000 grams or 900 pounds, roughly. Mm-hmm. It's a 900-pound special edition box set with 2,275 vinyl records inside. <laughs> One for each minute. <laughs> well, actually, two, <laughs> two, two minutes. So you've got to switch it over every minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can flip it. I mean, there's two minutes per, per record, which I think is a deal. It's a steal. Can we throw in a custom slip map? Yeah, of course we can. Put a, pic- okay. put a special edition picture on there. <laughs> I want everyone to know that there's no essays or anything inside there. There's no booklet. <laughs> if you're looking, yeah, for- <laughs> I am. So I'm bored that way. Okay, you're in. You're in. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you Bowie fans. You're used to this kind of thing, so that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. All right, Chaz. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of our merch madness uh, segment. I think I'm going to pass it on over to you to do some points. I like that segment. I wish we'd come up with it earlier because I did. I could see this. I could see this one rolling. <laughs> we already did. Hey, you got uh, you got about four episodes left to, <laughs> to submit your submit your submit your your all choices. Right. Points will be quick. All right, do it. It's all Il Mio West slash My West slash Gunslinger's Revenge slash mm. Gunfighter's Revenge. Yeah. Um. By all accounts that I can read, the movie is decent but not amazing. One of the weird things about it is, uh, like many spaghetti westerns the actors are from different countries and speak different languages mm. Mm. And so there are actors speaking english and italian and belgian in this movie oh and then they're just dubbed over for whichever country that it's actually been released in that is bizarre it was released in italy before it was released anywhere else um which makes for a weird experience so this was this was true even in that the one clip i found you know we got bowie singing along Apparently, was not even you know the English clip because then once he was talking, he wasn't singing the, you know this gospel song anymore. Then he was talking, and I, I think it was Italian. So that apparently makes things weird. <laughs> that sounds perfectly normal to me, but understandable. Don't know what was happening there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, by accounts, all accounts, Bowie was great in it. Okay, uh, great, <clears throat> fantastic. There aren't a lot of reviews of it. I couldn't find a lot of information about it. Not a very big movie, but. He was sadistic and entertaining and crazy, and apparently he was really good when he was on screen. Um, so I'm going to give it 0.5. 0.5. Okay. And finally, we didn't talk about it ahead of time, but I don't care. Bowie Net deserves a point. Ah, oh, fine. Like, seriously, I mean, it he does, ran for eight does. years. I don't know how involved he was later on. I did find <clears> – I got into Jake by accident. Um, the current Bowie site apparently still has all of its old – New, even though they're not linked to anything, its old news articles are still there from not, like going back to 1998 when this was initially launched. Launched. Okay. What is that? And uh, that so you can't like just like get to them like they're normal. I was like tinkering around a little bit and I found one of them by accident and then was able to like change the URL around to find all of them from from uh, 1998. And so I was able to look through and like. He was doing so much stuff there. There's just so much involved with Bowie Net. And he was, like, there were news, you know, multiple news things, sometimes multiple a day. Like, there were, you know, there were probably 100 news articles for the year of 1998. 
like Bowie was on top of this thing. There's, I don't know if he did. He didn't, I'm sure he didn't do every news article, but just what this was and what this like helped other artists build was humongous. And it really is like notable, yeah. like how big of a deal this is. Give so, him a point. I'm giving him a point. Give him a point. He well earns it. So that is a total of 1.5, which probably won't be enough. It won't be enough, uh, but it is, you know, a positive year in the 90s. That's not, you know, that's not yeah. nothing. It's not nothing. Oh, he does all right in the 90s. He does do all right. Yeah. 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 No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right. I forgot to do year and fro uh, before I do the points. Um, this year's Bob Dylan fro was jubilant, effervescent, and reinvigorated. This fro <laughs> screams, I'm back, baby. <laughs> No hat on top. It was just, it was out there. You know, it was loving every minute of it. So way to go, Bob Dylan's pro. Let's do some points. He had a single from Time Out of Mind, which came out the previous year. Um, it's actually the, I think it's the only single that they put out from Time Out of Mind, which is just, wow. what is happening? That I don't know. It's called Love Sick. Um, it, uh, I think it opens the album. Great song. Totally introduces his new sound, you know, the Daniel Lanois thing going on. His yeah. his yeah. voice is coming through kind of a little not a vocoder, but like a you know, a filter. It doesn't it's, yeah. it's just not straight up. It's very like slow. Uh, there's a lot of organ involved. It's very kind of eerie. Um, it did come with a video of the his performance from the 40th annual Grammy Awards, which I don't uh. I don't think excellent. I don't think features soy bomb. I soy think they soy cut, bomb and all? No, I don't think. I think they cut soy bomb right out of the darn thing. Oh man! I know it's really, really disrespectful to soy bomb. My favorite. It's my favorite part. <laughs> That's everyone's favorite part. <laughs> uh, but it's a great song. It was really emblematic of his new direction and his his being back. So I give it. A, I give it a plus one. Um, the only other thing he did that gains points. Oh, besides the never ending tour. 110 shows. He played with all these people. I guess he was, you know, he was he was kicking butt. But I still oh, yeah. think it's a plus point five for that. Um, so there's that. And then the bootleg series, volume four, live 1996, the quote Royal Albert Hall concert. So I explained it a little bit uh, when we were talking before. Disc one, acoustic set. Disc two, the band set. Um, I think this is kind of ended up kind of being a crucial release because the bootleg series uh, heretofore was just the volumes one through three, which is just like kind of scattered, not random. Right, and you know what? Seven years prior. Yeah, seven years prior. And like, so that gonna, you know, did they, do you think they intended it to be a series to start out with, or was it just like a one-off well, release? I always wondered why it was volumes one through three. It was just, I guess, because it was three discs. It's weird. It's weird. Because it didn't like focus on a certain decade or anything. Like right. we, we talked about it, like most of them were from the '60s anyway. But there were three discs in it, so I think they kind of reimagined what the bootleg series could be, and they started dragging up like actual bootlegs. Right, because then after this, they actually had started coming out regularly, right? Yeah, they started coming out regularly, um, and now they basically come and out. Now like, it's a once a year. It's like a nowadays. once a year thing, right? Um, I think that they had to take care to find the. The next, the next good step in this thing, and I think this is a really good, this is a really good release. It has this really nice like A and B side kind of action with him playing acoustically and then playing with the yeah, band. yeah. Uh, both sides are really great. It's well recorded. They cleaned it up really nice. You can clearly hear the controversial parts where the audience is, 
uh, yelling at him and, and calling him Judas and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's got a, just a wonderful. Got to hear that. The whole wonderful version. Got to hear that. You need it. You need it. Chaz wants to go back and re-record himself just yelling Judas. Every, well, yeah. Every two seconds or so. Don't we all? <laughs> After I'm done winning that songwriting contest. I'm oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to 1966 yeah, and yell Judas. Yeah. So first back to 98 to win that songwriting contest, mm-hmm. then back to 66. I got a, I got a busy summer ahead of me. <laughs> Yeah, you got nothing. Don't worry, better. I'll be back before I left. You got nothing better to do. Um, it the the release itself introduces the format that they still use, except for the super deluxe box set editions of these. Um, it's this nice, it's this nice two disc set. It's got a forty yeah. or fifty page booklet inside. It's kind of got this soft cardboardy cover thing. Um, yeah. The, the fonts they're still using the same font. You know the Bob Dylan font in it. So it actually, in many ways, it's the actual first bootleg series. Yeah. You know they they didn't yeah. repeat the format. Like the first one came out on those huge clunky three disc jewel cases that are like, you know, five inches wide or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. This is like all nice, real deluxe. Real sweet. So I give it out of a possible negative three to plus three. I give it a plus three. I think it's a. Whoa! I think it's a bad boy. It's like it's probably my second. It's probably my second favorite bootleg series. What's number one? Uh, That would be. uh, Now I'm just having a brain fart right now. You know the one from it's from the same it's from the same time period. It's the super deluxe edition uh, from sixty five through sixty six. I'm just having a weird brain thing. Uh, cutting edge. Thank no. you. The cutting yeah, edge. Cutting yeah, edge. Yeah. The cutting edge. I mean, that is just, that's incredible. That's incredible. All the best stuff is on there. Uh, but this one's real good. So Bob Dylan comes out to a 4.5. Not too shabby. Befitting his Bob's, status. Bob's back, baby. No, he's he was back. so back in 98. That. And you know, just personally, like uh, I, I knew his, uh, I knew his, his classic older albums. I knew bringing it all back home, the trifecta, basically. Um, I probably also was listening to um, Blood on the Tracks at that time. But like when he came sure. out with Time Out of Mind, like nineteen ninety eight was the first year that I loved Bob Dylan. I was yeah. all in on his comeback. Loved Time Out of Mind. Listened to it all the time. You probably heard me listening to it. Probably, since we lived in the same house at the time. Yeah, that's right. We were in somebody's basement at that point, weren't we? <laughs> if not, <laughs> we, were own, we were in our own basement. Were we in our own basement? Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. There were three basements in a row. That was the third one, then. That was our own. <laughs> Such Our third unfinished basement in as many years. Because our house slowly got built. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good times. Good times. Good times. Good times, yeah. All right, what are we doing next uh, week, Jess? Hey, so first of all, folks, I want to let everyone know this was our last year in the 90s, Jake. Wow, we We did it. We've done every year in the 90s now. Boom. Wow. First decade complete, right? And next episode, we're going to do our final year of the 80s. Wow. That year being 1998. I'm sorry, I just said 1998. It's 1988, which sounds a lot like 1998, but with 80 instead of 90. Uh, 1988, it's our last year in the 80s. Wow, this is happening. You know what? Just, we're bringing it all back home, Jake. That's Ex- what we're doing. Except Bob Dylan. But not in 1988. Bob Dylan was horrifying <laughs> in 1988. And <laughs> not, not awesome. bringing it all back home like that. <laughs> no. He was taking it all somewhere else, I guess. <laughs> somewhere horrible. <laughs> so that's what we gotta look forward to. I, Jake, I think we should end out the episode with the, uh, the sound of uh, the internet booting up in 1998. What do you say? What is it? Oh, yeah, sure. I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right. Do you want to start? Right. Or, okay. So long, everybody. <laughs>
Hey, <laughs> <laughs>